Hello, this is Anne, the Multimedia Director of Kearney First United Methodist Church, and you're listening to our Sunday Morning Sermon Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and uplifted as you listen to this sermon. Thank you for turning in. Let us pray. God, you speak to us as we read Scripture. Send your Holy Spirit to open our ears, hearts, and minds so we may hear your message for us today. Amen. Today's scripture reading comes from Isaiah 64, verses 1 through 9. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, and as when fire twigs ablaze and cause water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down, and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God beside you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways, but we continued to sin against them. You were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and given us over to our sins. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Nate. In addition, by the way, not to embarrass you, but uh, in addition to uh, the singing and the reading, Nate is one of the anchors that helps uh, in driving the Youth for East Lawn food pickup each Sunday at 11 o'clock. So if you're ever interested in knowing what that's about or why he does it or uh, how you can help, he is the one to talk to. Does that seem fair? All right. Not that you have to give a testimony today or anything. Okay. So this is uh, the season of Advent in which we are uh, working with uh, the theme of the Grinch and uh, the typical Advent themes uh, related to hope, peace, love, and joy. Switch one of those and you probably got it right. Uh, And if you wanted to dive deeper, then you could also follow uh, or look at Look at purchasing Matt Rawls' book, uh, The Heart That Grew Three Sizes, when, uh, and that's a dev- devotional study book that is longer and different than the sermons. So uh, you can use that as well as a resource, uh, and of course, you can also refresh yourself with all the different versions of Dr. Seuss's The Grinch. Uh, the original book from 1957, the, the movie from 1966, which he was involved in creating, and then the other ones that have come and followed. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, breathe in me and breathe in us that as we ponder together what you're like and how you're revealed in Scripture and what it means to be your people, We would experience you giving us all that we need for this day. Through Jesus we pray. Amen.
Just in case you didn't catch all the little pieces that the young people were sharing, the Grinch hated Christmas, uh, and we're not really sure why. And there are some of the film adaptations that make some suggestions, but the Grinch hated Christmas. He hated the noise, 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 and all the food and the decorations and the activities. And uh, maybe it was that his shoes were too tight or that uh, his head wasn't screwed on just right or that his heart was just two sizes too small. And so he has a terrible, awful, wonderful, awful idea to steal Christmas, to take all of the stuff of Christmas from Whoville down where the Whos live below Mount Crumpet where he lives and take it all. He dresses as Santa and goes with the sleigh and steals all of the Christmas decorations and gifts and food and candies and leaves the place barren. And he climbs up again to the tip-top of Mount Crumpet. Now, Dr. Seuss uh, is sort of on record as saying that there might be a little bit of autobiographical disgust uh, with the commercialization of Christmas that has made it into the book uh, The Grinch. And maybe that would be fine, but we can see, too, that there's just something Maybe everything wrong in the Grinch's world. He's angry and hurting and alone, though he wouldn't ever admit to feeling lonely. And some of the films bring this out more. And so his only hope seems to be that he can make other people feel the way that he feels. Grinchy. So he wants to steal Christmas to make other people hurt like he Hurts? So maybe it is something like the idea that hurt people hurt people. Now, we too might relate in some ways to the experience of the Grinch. Uh, maybe we're not as uh, wanting to steal Christmas as the Grinch. Uh, I myself uh, am resisting, uh, actively resisting uh, decorating because I have a little bit of Grinch in me. But perhaps we also have uh, ways in which we, uh, in our emotions and in our spiritual lives, feel grinchy, like things are just not right. Now, perhaps we've experienced loss or grief. This has been a year in which uh, certainly there are those of us who feel brokenhearted uh, and abandoned. There are ways in which we feel betrayed. There are ways in which we have struggled uh, in our personal lives with uh, relationships and people and situations. And all these things sometimes make us feel like everything is wrong and everything is hopeless. And on a more global and uh, theological level, sometimes in our view of things, it doesn't look any better. Uh, we can look and see, and it's been breaking my heart to read the different stories in the news about uh, war, particularly in Israel-Palestine. Uh, Anne has the uh, olive wood uh, things that are partly making us aware of the situation in Israel and Palestine. There are uh, other wars in Sudan and in Ukraine and other places. There just feels like there's a lot of unrest in our global lives. And that's hard to accept, even if it doesn't hit very close to home. Because before Jesus was born, 
Mary, his mother, saying to God, uh, saying in what is the Magnificat, the mighty one has done great things for me. His mercy lasts from generation to generation. Mercy from generation to generation. But we just talked about all the ways in which we don't feel like we've experienced mercy, in which things feel wrong and broken. And then she continues that he has brought down the mighty but lifted up the lowly. When did we read this headline? Because it hasn't seemed to be true. And so there's this sense of longing. She uh, gave birth to Jesus with this expectation that God was changing the world and making a new thing. And now we look around and, well, we feel a little grinchy and there are things in our lives that feel wrong. And we look around at the world in a more global way and we see all the ways that things are wrong, even if we can also see things are right. And this doesn't feel like God's promise has come true like we expected it to. And so what do we hope when life feels uncertain or like everything is wrong? Do we hope like the Grinch, uh, hope to help someone else to feel bad so at least then we won't be alone in our mess? Likely not, hopefully, but occasionally. And do we sometimes find that hope itself is too hard to hold? Like we've been waiting so long. And if this is how we might feel in our process of living in this season of life, then uh, we relate well with the people of Israel to whom Isaiah is writing in our passage today. We might remember from our Bible year journey that Isaiah spans uh, many generations of the people of Israel from the time in which he's telling them, uh, look out for these foreign powers, get our lives right. We need to work on shaping things up because we uh, feel threatened by these outside forces. Then we remember that toward the middle of Isaiah, we also experience the 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 terror of being conquered and then exiled in Babylon. And then we come to the section of Isaiah in which our reading comes from, in which from the textual clues we uh, presume and interpret that uh, they have now returned from exile and live again in the promised land a few generations later. The challenge is that returning from exile doesn't feel like they expected it to feel. They might remember that Isaiah had been so hopeful and encouraging and comforting in which Isaiah would say that God will lift you up on wing, as on wings like eagles. Isaiah 40, you're familiar with this. They remembered the way God said that God would be with you and uh, part the waters uh, so that you could pass through in safety from all of that which was torturous to you. Isaiah 43. And now, in Isaiah 64, things are so much harder. 
And there are, we can read in Ezra and Nehemiah about the challenges of re-entering the, uh, the promised land and how they were arguing and having disagreement about how to rebuild and who to rebuild and uh, how they could fund all this and how could they get all their children to act the right way in this new land. Does that sound familiar? And they're nearly at their wit's end. And Isaiah cries out, Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, that your mighty acts would work again in our lives like they once did, because they remembered that God had once acted mightily, parting waters and bringing them into the, uh, the promised land. They remembered God's presence and now longed for that presence again. but they've been waiting and feeling like their hope had been unfulfilled. And perhaps they were wondering, has God really just abandoned us this time? And perhaps that's how the beginning of Isaiah's passage begins, but uh, near the end it is important to hear the way the tone and uh, spirit shifts. Because he shifts from, oh, that you would tear open the heavens uh, to something like this. Yet, yet, you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all works of your hands. And so Isaiah, too, is trying to hold in tension a world that is not right and lives that are experiencing things that maybe feels like everything is not right and uh, trying to hold together. How, what, in what do we hope? Our hope is in God who is potter and we are as clay. Our hope is in God who is maker and with us. Now, I admit and maybe we can put ourselves in the place of Isaiah. We remember we know what it is to experience a little bit of hopelessness and hard life. In one sense, it sounds like Isaiah is saying, hey, don't worry, God's with you in that hard thing you're dealing with. And maybe that's all factually true, and through the lens of faith we can see that, but does it always feel like enough? That's a challenge for us in our faith. And it is this season of waiting in which we can seek to give ourselves to that. But one of the challenges might be to hear Isaiah not just as a friend who is trying to say something, but as one who's inspired and called by God to bear God's message. It's not just our buddy Isaiah saying, hey, God's with you. It's God saying through our friends, I'm with you. And I think there's something different in that, mysterious though it may be. And yet, in uh, the long course of things, that requires that we have a faith that is filled with patience and waiting. And this too is hard. And yet... When we look at the long 
story. This season of Advent is about looking backward to when Jesus was born once and forward to when Jesus is coming again. And we understand the long waiting and patience that that uh, between those times. And so we remember, too, that Isaiah cried out, Oh, that you would open the heavens. And in Jesus' birth, God indeed tears open the heavens and enters the world. And so in Jesus' birth, God says, in fact, I have and I will and I am through the power of the Holy Spirit. I am with you. And what's amazing about this is that the people of Isaiah have been struggling. Gosh, have we outsend God's grace? And so Jesus comes into the world not when all the world has figured it all out and everybody's wonderful. Jesus comes into the world and shows God's presence and reveals the fullness of God's presence when they need it. Which means that God will come into our lives and respond to us, not just when we get our lives right, but because God loves us, even when things are broken and when everything is wrong. Jesus fills us with hope because it's Jesus who uh, is God tearing open the heavens and coming down so that we can live with courage and grace. And when we see that even when things are wrong, that Jesus comes into the world to uh, fill us with hope and change our hearts, we can hear Jesus in the midst of the story of the Grinch, which isn't intended to share the story of Jesus. The Grinch, back up on the top of Mount Crumpet, is peaked and ready to dump everything over the cliff and then wants to stop and listen. He wants to hear the wails and cries of the who's down in Whoville waking up to find that Christmas is stolen. And he hears singing not crying and wailing. And he ponders and he's flummoxed and he thinks and then in some sort of miraculous way his heart grows three sizes and he goes back down and starts to act in community. He starts to act like Christmas. Even carving the roast beast. And so it is that in our season we hear the songs of Christmas. Perhaps ones that we can't sing ourselves, but we hear the songs of Christmas that inspire and remind us of a God who has torn open the heavens and is come into the world and through the Holy Spirit is in and through, uh, through us empowering us to be shaped by his incarnational love and grace. And so it is that we can act like the Grinch, act like Christmas with one another, act like a God who is with us, and be the means through which God changes the hearts of others. But what's really beautiful about this is that we might want to try and sit with the Grinch and figure out what's going on with the Grinchy person in our lives. And maybe that's important. 
And sometimes we really don't want to sit with the Grinch. When the Grinch gets his or her life together, then we'll want to spend time. But incarnational life, a God who comes into the world that is already broken, shows us that being incarnational is about coming into the lives of others and sharing life with one another. Not when y'all have figured it out and not so that we can somehow diagnose each other, but so that we can, through the mystery of presence and community and love, be the means through which Jesus brings us hope so that we can act with grace with one another. So may we in this season be a people who are attuned to the song through which Jesus changes our hearts and fills us with hope. And may we with hearts growing just a little, if not one or two or three sizes, be the means through which God shines hope into the darkness of others' lives. May it be so. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have found the topics mentioned today to be thought-provoking and meaningful. For more information about our church, ministries, and upcoming events, check out our website at carneyfirstumc.org. If you'd like to join us on Sunday in person or on live stream, our traditional services are at 8.15 and 11 a.m. and our modern service is at 9.30 a.m. We look forward to seeing you next week. And until then, Go in peace and may God bless you.